just just simple things like um, sitting down and chatting to someone who you trust regularly will actually increase your lifespan by 10 to 15 years, which is quite amazing. It'll also decrease the likelihood of you having mental health issues. Welcome to the Executive Leadership Podcast. On today's episode, we have Dr. Mark Williams, who is a neuroscientist who recently released his new book, The Connected Species, How Understanding the Evolution of Our Brain Can Change the World. So we talk with Dr. Williams on how the brain affects and impacts our leadership and your leadership. Uh, Mark has an extensive academic background in brain research and teaching. You can find out more about him at the uh, podcast description on whichever platform that you're listening on. So I really hope you enjoy it. This is an amazing conversation that we have in really connecting, uh, really gathering an understanding of the brain and why it matters for our leadership wherever we're at in our leadership journeys. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast interview with Dr. Mark Williams. Well, Mark, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast, and um, I'm very looking forward to to this discussion because um, the work you do is is so unique. Thank you, Cameron. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, thank you. Um, let's start off by if you can tell um, you, our listeners about a little bit about who you are. <laughs> so I'm a cognitive neuroscientist. Um, I spent a little bit of time working at MIT, and then I came back here to Australia. Um, I've been studying the brain and how the brain changes as we learn things, as well as how our brain enables us to communicate with each other via both language and a whole bunch of other senses, which is a really fascinating. I find it a fascinating era, area. Um, I now work with um, businesses, especially with leaders, on actually communicating better with their staff um, and improving brain health within organisations because the most important asset, of course, in any organisation is the employees' brains and the leaders' brains. And then I have a, a best-selling book that's just um, been released recently called The Connected Species, which is on a lot of the research I've done over the last 25 years. Yeah, can you uh, talk a little bit about that book? Yeah, so it's it's based on my research and, of course, a lot of other amazing people's research, uh, all on how we've become the super species here on Earth through connection, through collaboration, through innovation, um, and, and how we, our brains have evolved to enable us to do that and how our brains are actually, that's what they do. That's the main thing that our brains actually do. And so we need to be constantly doing that to keep our brains healthy. Um, but unfortunately, due to the way our lifestyle at the moment, we're doing that less which is actually causing problems. And so just just simple things like um, sitting down and chatting to someone who you trust regularly will actually increase your lifespan by 10 to 15 years, which is quite amazing. It'll also decrease the likelihood of you having mental health issues. So it's on a lot of those, um, how we can actually do it better and how we can improve things both within organisations but also at home to improve our brains uh, so that we're more connected and so that we're more brain healthy uh, and so we avoid all of those awful things that can happen and are happening more regularly these days. And there's tips and tricks at the end of each chapter that you can just instigate into your life or into your organisation straight away to make it um, very practical. Yeah, I, I'm more so curious about your insights in the brain and our cognitive abilities and how that impacts uh, our leadership, because 
we've never really talked about this, nor have I done any reading or research on this. And I've, I have your book and been going through it over the last couple of weeks and not quite done yet, but it's been uh, really interesting to learn more about how the brain functions and the impacts it could have, not only in our leadership, but in, in every area of, of our life. Yeah, I think the brain doesn't get enough airtime, <laughs> I think, both in organizations, but just in general. Um, yeah. And I think it, we should focus on it more because it is everything we are, right? It creates our perception. It, it allows us to sleep. It allows us to decrease or, or it increases our stress levels. It, it keeps our bodies working. It keeps our, our vascular system working. It, I mean, it's everything. We are, mm-hmm. it's our personality, it's the way we communicate. Um, yeah, our brains are us and, and we really yeah. should be focusing on them all. Yeah. So I know this is a kind of a big question to, to start our conversation with, but um, I think this is a, a good good place to start. So really, how does our brains functioning impact our ability to be effective leaders? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a big question, as you said. <laughs> I spent a few hours talking about it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I mean, just in in basic terms, I mean that that is how how we function, right? Is our brain. So actually, understanding how your brain uh, is working is really essential for any leader, so that they can then communicate better with their employees, so that they can be less stressed themselves, so that they can then work better, more effectively, um, be more productive. I mean, all of these, everything that you do is really dependent on that your brain function and understanding that better and how that works is going to enable you uh, to function better as a leader, both in your own work and what you're actually doing day to day, um, but also in how you communicate to others. Um, And and the decisions you make are are really essential because, you know, your brain is making those decisions. So understanding um, how decisions are made, how innovation occurs, how productivity occurs, how uh, stress, you know, and, and the good and bad sides to stress and so on, um, I think are all really, really crucial. But as a leader who's working with people, um, knowing how their brains work as well so that you can motivate them and you can get them to understand what you're saying because that's really important, right? Um, it is really, really crucial as well. So, um, yeah, I think every leader should understand how human brain works um, so that they can... Uh, use that knowledge to to interact and to inspire and to lead better. And I think where where should someone start from from learning about the brain? Because I think this is not at the top of mind of I think any leader or executive leader, senior leader. It's all about productivity, and it's really just going through the motions, going through your days, exhausted. Like I think that's the <laughs> last thing many leaders are talking about. Where should people start? when you're even thinking about studying this area of cognitive and brain and all that stuff? Yeah, um, it's, that's a great question. I think I think you need to be careful. There's a lot of people now entering this space who have a lot of um, knowledge in the business world but don't have any knowledge in the, in the neuroscience world um, and, and are latching onto stuff that's 25, 30 years old. And we now, there's been huge changes in how we understand it. So be careful who you listen to because there is yeah a lot of um stuff based on on old research um <laughs> i'd have to say buy my book right <laughs> so read my book would be the first start because <laughs> that has a lot in about the brain um but but um 
yeah, I would say read widely. There's Kangman's book, which is really, really cool on, you know, things slow, think fast. Um, he, he's a great um, neuroscientist who, who's been around for a while now. Um, and then there's, you know, other other people out there who, who are doing some really cool work in this research, in this, in this area. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the really the big thing and the big change we now know about the brain well, there's two things. There's one, one is that it's plastic, right? There's co constantly changing. So we used to think that we went through these stages. Um, Piaget had this theory of these critical periods during our childhood. And then once we got past those, uh, we get into our adult life and our brain would sort of almost atrophy from then on. So you start dying, um, which is a pretty sad way of looking at the brain, uh, especially once you get to my age. Uh, we now know none of that's actually true and our brains are actually constantly changing. So we, we, don't have those periods um, and we can actually learn any new skill at any stage whenever we actually want to and in actual fact it's really important to actually keep your brain healthy to keep learning so uh, that's that's a really important one that, that all leaders need to understand because your employees brains are changing and your brain is changing and it's changing based on what's good and bad so uh, you know I, I, I talk to a lot of people about, you know, the, the many, many tests that we give in HR departments and so on. And none of those have very good reliability or validity, especially when it comes to the brain, because they're, they're basically a snapshot of what the person's like today, but they don't tell us anything about what that person's brain is going to be like in 12 months' time or two years' time or three years' time. And that's going to, you know, that's what you want to know, right? What's the potential of this person? Not what are they like right now? Um, and so... We need to, you know, stop using things like that, those many, many tests, I won't name them all, but the many tests that, that pigeonhole people because you can't actually pigeonhole someone because they're going to keep evolving. And if you do pigeonhole them, we know they actually go backwards rather than going forward. So we need to be stretching people and, and constantly um, creating environments where people are learning so that their brains stay healthy and so that they can keep evolving. But that, that's a really important aspect to it. And then the other aspect that we, we need to be constantly thinking about is, is it our attentional network because we need to get stuff into what we call our mem working memory, which is basically your consciousness. And that area of your brain is really limited. And a lot of us think that we can multitask, but our brains are actually incapable of multitasking. So if you're doing two or three tasks at, at a time, you're less productive than if you're focusing on one task at a time and getting it done and then moving to the next task. But it also causes stress and anxiety and increases the likelihood of mental health issues if you are, you know, flipping from one task to another and so on. And so we need to remember that both for us as leaders, but also for our employees and set up environments where they're less likely to have their attention captured by other things in their environment or needing to do more than one thing at a time. And, and so we need to be really focusing on, on everybody doing one thing at a time so they're more productive and we know we're less productive individuals are less productive today than we ever have been in the past because we're not focusing on on individual tasks we're actually trying to flip constantly yeah you, you make a good point there mark because even like like just today it is you know with with a leader comes a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things coming your way and that that's really the norm for leadership whether you're a shift lead, frontline supervisor, or up to your senior executive. And just like today, you know, you're going from one thing to another, one thing to another, one thing to another. 
by the end of the day, you're just exhausted. You're like, what, what happened today? <laughs> you know, today was like a whirlwind. And then you go home and then still crank it out on the computer, you know, try to get whatever you do. And um, I think people just, they don't think about the, the impact of, of that in on the brain. Yeah, and it is having a significant negative impact. I think people don't realize um, the impact it has on their time as well. But mm -hmm. a lot of leaders are really, really busy now because they don't have as much actual time in their day. So if you go from one task to another, um, what you're doing is you're switching your attention from one task to another, which actually deletes everything in your working memory. And, and it's been calculated that we we lose about 90 seconds of our time each time we go from one task to another because of the fact that you've got to hold information in your working memory long enough for it then to be transferred to a temporary store. So then it's transferred to your long-term memory. So each time you, you move from one task to another, you actually lose that information in your working memory, which means you'll lose the last 90 seconds of your time. Um, so you, a good example of that is, you know, if you're say reading a book and someone uh, and you get a phone call, um, then you've got to sort of go back in the book to remember what you're actually reading because you've lost that last little bit of your time. Now, think about how many times you get disrupted or how many times you change tasks or you go from one thing to another or your phone beeps or, you know, one of your work things on, on your computer flick up and you get notification. Each time that happens, you lose 90 seconds of your time. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about how many times that happens and actually then calculate how much time you're actually losing each day, um, a lot of leaders, when we do that, lose several hours each day. That's just lost. They mm -hmm. just don't ha actually have it. So by by setting up your environment in a way that you're not constantly being distracted means you get hours back in each day. Imagine what you could do if you actually had a couple of extra hours each yeah. day to actually get stuff done. You know, you'd be able to spend more time with your family. You'd be able to, you know, get more uh, work done and all those things and, and and probably, you know, get to the gym and all these things, which we should be doing to keep ourselves healthy. Um, so, yeah, we need to think about how we're setting up our environment so that we're more brain healthy um, and we're not losing all that time each day. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, even I made the mistake today before the interview is normally I close out my outlook and I do, do not disturb on my phone. And yep. guess what's going on as we're talking is I'm getting the <laughs> outlook, outlook notifications on my other screen and I'm getting Apple watch notifications as we're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like that uh, we're talking about this. <laughs> good reminder. <laughs> um, I wanted to, uh, touch on one of the questions here. Um, I wanted to talk about cognitive biases. And um, before we go into that, I um, uh, wanted for you to define what that is, because I know we're using some difficult terms here that not everyone is aware of. So uh, what are some cognitive biases, uh, common cognitive biases that leaders should be aware of and how can they mitigate their impact? So I guess first, let's get through what cog what's a cognitive bias and what is that? Yeah, so... You probably have to go back a step and, and talk about why we have these biases. And we, we have cognitive biases because the world's a really complicated place. And because, as we are talking about before, our, our working memory, which is what we're aware of at any one point in time, our you know, consciousness is probably the more general term used, but what we're aware of 
um, is really limited. So we think that we're actually seeing the whole world and we're getting all that input, but we're actually not doing that. We now know that we use what we call predictive coding. So our brain's actually predicting what's out there and therefore that's what we actually perceive. And then it just changes it based on any errors that are happening. What does that mean? That means that most of what we perceive is actually based on our memory rather than what's actually out there because we don't actually get all the inputs. Um, and so the cognitive biases are all the stuff in our memory that actually determine what we actually perceive of the world. And, and that happens for everything from, you know, just perceiving colours. So when we perceive colours, if a colour, if the surface that we're actually receiving the information from is in the shade, then our brain will actually make it brighter or look brighter than it actually is because our brain knows that things that are in the shade uh, we perceive them or the information we get is darker than what it actually is. So it changes what we're actually perceiving based on that. But then it also goes all the way up to the way we perceive people. And we know that if you like someone, you actually perceive them as more attractive. You actually hear them differently. So you hear the words they say differently, like literally hear the words they say differently. You perceive their positive facial expressions as positive and their negative facial expressions as negative. But when you perceive their negative facial expressions, you are empathetic towards them. Whereas if you don't like someone, when you see one of their positive facial expressions, such as them smiling, you're more likely to perceive that as a smirk, as a nasty actually, or a negative emotion. And you don't have the same empathy for them. So you're not going to actually connect with them. Um, and you find them less attractive and all these other things. So we have these biases in our brain or we have these memories. I like to call them memories because they are really just memories. They're all memories based on all the experiences we've had that determine what we actually see, what we actually perceive, what, how we actually respond to the world. And that we've evolved that mechanism so that we don't use too much of our working memory so that we can focus on what's really important at that point in time. Um, and so we have a whole, you know, millions of different biases in our brain and all of those biases are based on our prior experiences plus what we've learned. Um, and so you could have bias towards someone just because they look like someone who you had a fight with 12 months ago but aren't actually the same person because, again, your brain is just grabbing whatever it can to make it simpler for you, the world simpler for you so that you can actually react to it. Or it could be some of the, you know, biases that we have in our brains because of what we've learned about different races or about different sexes or about mm -hmm. different, uh, and so on, you know, all these different things that we have and we've learned. And all of those ha things happen automatically. So it's really hard um, not to have them um, and you need to be... Uh, try to be aware of them but that is very difficult and they have a bigger impact the more stressed you are or the faster you're trying to think the faster you're trying to act um, so you need to sort of slow down when you're interacting with people so that you can reflect on any biases you might have and then act uh, you know more objectively which is what we want to do as leaders rather than um, based on these prior biases that may not have any validity at all Mm, mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to chat about uh, emotional intelligence. So how would you say, I think that that's another key topic, especially when we're talking about leadership. How does emotional intelligence play a role in effective leadership? And 
how can leaders develop their emotional intelligence? And this one, this one is an interesting one because, you know, I feel like emotional intelligence, you can't learn that in a class. It's not, it's really not something that can be taught and then you learn it. Uh, so what are your kind of insights on that? Yeah, it's a, that's um, emotions and emotional intelligence. I've, emotional intelligence, I, I think, is a, a bit of a, again, one of those terms that we we throw around, but I don't think we have emotional intelligence itself. It's a combination of a lot of things, same, same as um, your intellect, your, your IQ, right? It's not, your IQ is not just one thing. It's actually a whole bunch of things that we put together to try and get a number, but the number doesn't actually make much sense because it's actually based on a whole bunch of different abilities. Um, but again, with emotional intelligence, if you like, there's a whole bunch of abilities there and some people are good at some of them and not at others. Um, and so you need to realise or try and understand the areas that you are lacking and then work on those. So um, some people are very good at being um, understanding or, or relating to people who are within their in-group and actually being very, very good friends to those people in an in-group but, but aren't, but react very negatively to the people who are in their out-group. Whereas there's other people who can be very good, quite good at, at helping anybody regardless of where they come from. But those people sometimes also aren't as supportive of those within their in-group because they're more empathic because they, they, they like to, to help other people, people who are in their out group. So you can have people who are, who are very good at some aspects of it, not good at other aspects of it. But you're right. It's, it's a difficult thing to learn because you need to, to get the experiences and you need to be open to actually experiencing those things. And it can be very, very challenging for us when we realise that we're actually not as empathic as we thought we were or we're not as understanding as we thought we were. But it's extremely important for leaders because, I mean, leaders, what a leader really wants to do is it wants people who are willing to follow them, right? They need followers. Otherwise, they're not leading. You've got to, you've got to have people actually following you. Otherwise, you aren't a leader. Um, you're just one person <laughs> going around trying to do something by yourself. Um, and to do that, those people have to relate to you, have to understand you. And so therefore you have to have that connection. You make that connection through having good emotional intelligence and making those connections with each of those individuals. Um, but it does take time. I mean, one of the things, again, I, I'm going to be nasty and pick on the smartphone again, but the smartphone, we know that just having a smartphone on you when you're actually trying to interact with someone decreases your emotional intelligence and decreases the likelihood of you making a connection and interferes with conversations you actually have. So mm -hmm. simply by turning off your mobile phone, simply having in your organisation areas where you're not allowed to have any devices so people can actually connect and can actually spend time together is a really easy way to do that. So organisations I work with, we, um, we, we ban any devices from the staff room um, and we ban any devices from the meeting rooms so that when you're actually there, you've actually got to talk to each other, which seems strange, but it's extremely important because then you're actually improving your emotional intelligence because you're looking at people and you're talking to them. And then you actually create relationships with each other. And those relationships are really, really important in organisations because they then lead to collaborations and they lead to solving problems that are happening across the organisation because, you know, one person will 
start actually talking to someone, which a lot of people don't do now in meetings, say, because they have the devices, um, and discover that the other person's had a similar problem to you and that's they've already solved it and you can solve it really easily or they're, they're working on a project that's similar to the project or, you know, whatever, you know. And those conversations we need in organisations and they really do change the organisation very quickly by simply doing things uh, like that where you actually set up your environment so that people are actually talking to each other and actually collaborating with each other and actually looking each other in the eye and, and, and noticing their body language and noticing when someone's not feeling great so that you can actually, you know, um, do something about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we could we could have a whole podcast just on the whole yeah. issue with emotional intelligence and how we can improve that within organisations. Yeah, um, you, you make a good point on the use of technology because... Um... I mean, even those listening, you know, how many countless meetings have you been to that um, the first thing that people do in the meeting is put the phone on the table or the desk or wherever they're sitting and yeah. everyone pretty much has a phone in front of them. Or when you go to a to meet up with someone for coffee or lunch, what's the first thing that goes on the table is the phone. Yeah. And um, it, you're right. It really changes the dynamics, uh, you know, keeping the phone. One thing that I've I've learned and I've tried to do is, you know, just a simple keeping the phone in the pocket. Uh, not even putting that really changes the dynamics of that interaction and your emotional intelligence increases tremendously because you're not looking at a screen, you're looking at a person and you're also being a little bit more intentional. And that's the same thing that goes in our leadership is, you know, there's computer screens in front of us, there's devices in front of us, there's other distractions in our day-to-day -day leadership and um, having something having a bit more control on that or boundaries on that um, definitely will help increase that emotional intelligence level. Yeah. Yeah. I find I find it amazing when I walk, you know, I'll be asked to come and talk to a, a manager or a, a senior manager or somebody like that. And I walk, you know, I'm, I'm there to, to work out how we can, how we can help. Um, and I'll sit opposite them at their desk and they'll have their computer up, you know, over here. And you can see their attention and their eyes, their eyes literally constantly <laughs> going across to the computer screen while yeah. I'm talking to them. And I'm like, you're not listening to anything I'm saying. So <laughs> why, why are you paying? What, why is the senior senior level people paying for me to, to sit here and talk to you? Because they're wasting them, literally wasting their money because you're yeah. not listening to what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so we, we need to think about those things, you know. You need to turn off the screen um, when someone comes in and, and show them that the screen's turned yeah. off, that they're actually, you're actually listening to them and you're actually concentrating on what they're, they're talking about, yeah, because that's so important. The other thing is just giving gaps. So we don't give gaps now. When we used to talk to each other, um, one person would speak, one person would tell you something, and then there'd be a gap before the next person actually spoke. Because we're all so busy now, people actually speak straight away after the other person's spoken. Now, you you can't actually be responding to what that person said if you do that because you haven't had time to actually think about it. So all the analysis now done um, around speaking, like when in conversations has shown that gap's decreased to where it's, it's not enough for someone to actually have processed the information and then responded to it. Now, that means that we're, we're just going into any meeting or, or any conversation with what we want to actually tell them and we're not listening to what they're actually saying to us, which isn't a good situation for a leader. You need to be listening to what your followers are saying so that you can respond to it. But also... Um, 
it, the other person will will notice that we do it again implicitly it's a bias we have but if there's no gap in between me finishing my my conversation or what i've had to say and then you speaking my brain automatically says that person didn't listen to anything i'm saying and they're just telling me what they want to tell me rather than actually having a conversation with me so leaders also need to learn how to have those little gaps how to, how to be comfortable in in stopping after someone has spoken and then speaking um and i think in a lot of organizations a lot of people are, are keen to show that the, they've got the answer or they are involved in the conversation or they're influencing what's going on. But by jumping in too early, jumping in quickly, you're actually showing that you're not actually listening to the other person. That's not a good place to be. Yeah, that's very true because mostly what traditionally people do in a conversation is as soon as the other person starts talking, they're already thinking about how they're going to respond without listening. Yeah. And I've done without that several, several times, right? <laughs> Even as we're talking, right? I'm I'm already trying to formulate my response and what am I going to say in this conversation because everyone loves to talk and they love to be heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the problem is, like you said, everyone loves to be heard, right? So yeah. if you're actually trying to influence someone, you want to be showing that you're actually listening to them, right? Because they love to be heard. And so, and if you're not showing that you're listening to them, then they're going to get annoyed with, frustrated with you, right? And so mm -hmm. as a leader, because you want people to follow you, you need to be showing that you actually are listening to them by giving them those gaps. Yeah. 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 That's great. I wanted to touch on stress. You mentioned earlier um, about stress. Um, can you um, talk about a little bit about the impact of stress on leadership and how leaders first can manage stress for themselves, but also for, for their teams? Because every day, I could say this in leadership, it's stressful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I think stress stress gets a bit bad 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 rap sometimes. Um, and I think we need to realise that our brain just creates stress because we need stress in our environment. Because if we didn't have stress, then we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. So we need stress to actually and push us to do things, push us to you know go out and find food, or because we have stress around whether or not we can have food, and so therefore we we get stress so that we get out of bed and we actually go looking for for food or we go looking for you know danger you know danger and avoiding danger or we go looking for a mate and so stress is really important and stress is something our brain creates so that we'll actually do stuff so that we'll be motivated and go and do stuff the problem is of course when stress gets too great and it actually starts causing a decline in your productivity and causing a decline in your cognitive ability so there's there's you know some very old um studies showing that we've got this really interesting bell curve where you increase stress to a certain level and that's when you're most productive um, and you're most communicative and and that's where you actually want to be but then you go over that and it starts decreasing very very rapidly and you get into um, issues with your health but also uh, issues with productivity and issues with being able to to think to be cognitively aware and so with our brain, as we've been talking a lot about, you know, you have your, your attentional network, um, which controls what's in your working memory, and that's really limited. But if you get to that stress level, which is too much, then what happens is your um, that attentional network actually starts breaking down. And so you can't actually concentrate on one thing at a time and you're constantly flipping, which causes more stress, which is why it, it is really a ramp down, right? It's a really um, rapid and it's hard to get back to that 
level where you're actually really productive. So we need to be aware of our stress levels and control that. And there's things that you can do. So there's uh, a thing called the Pomodoro technique, um, which um, has been studied for many, many, many years around productivity. And it's been shown to be the most productive way you or anybody can actually spend their day. And what you do is you just you set a timer for 25 minutes um, and then you focus on one thing for that 25 minutes. And then after that 25 minutes is up and the bell rings, you get up and you just move. You do some physical activity. So do squats or you do jumping jacks or you do push-ups or you just go for a walk around your office or whatever, um, given your ability le levels. Um, and then you go back to whatever it was again after that five-minute break. Um, and because you've had that five-minute break where you've actually done physical work and you've got to just do something physical, you can't do anything else. Uh, because you've done that physical work, that actually re re resets your stress levels. So 25 minutes isn't long enough to get up too stressed and then it resets your stress levels so then you can get back to being focused. And it's been shown to be the best way to get into flow and it's been shown to be the most productive way you can actually spend your day. And they recommend that you do four of them, which is two hours of really productive work. And then you have a longer break where you do other things. So just check your email and all those sorts of things. And so that's a great way. If, if you can set out your day using the Pomodoro technique, which is what I do, except for when I'm having interviews and stuff or when I'm you know, working within organizations, but when I'm actually just at my office, I always do that. And I find that it, you know in that two hours, I get more done than I do the rest of the day, just because I'm focused and I'm in the flow and my stress levels are down. I feel good afterwards. You, you really, you know, it's pumping the air, you know, you really <laughs> punch mm -hmm. the air after the two hours because you really do get a lot of work done. But that's a great way to actually control our stress. But it also exercises our attentional net network. So when we're not doing it, we have better control over our attentional network so that we're actually able to concentrate better even when we're not doing the Pomodoros because we're exercising those areas of our brains. And because of neuroplasticity, we know those areas get stronger and better when we're actually exercising them. So that's also really good because later on, you'll actually be better. So when you're in meetings and stuff, you'll be able to concentrate better if you do that on a regular basis. Yeah, that's good. Um, when we're talking about uh, decision-making and problem-solving, um, this comes day-to-day -day in, in leadership, as you know. Um, so what are some brain-based strategies? I know you mentioned one of them already. Um, what are uh, some other specific brain-based strategies or techniques that leaders can really use to improve their, their overall leadership, especially when it comes to uh, decision-making and, and problem-solving? Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, problem solving is is really, a, well, often it's about being, you know, innovative, right, or creative. So it's about coming up with new solutions to um, the problems that we're actually seeing in front of us. And we know that most of that actually happens when we're asleep. Um, so the way we actually come up with innovative, creative solutions to problems is actually during our sleep time, during what we call REM sleep, which is when we run through scenarios of what's actually happened that day or the things that are in our mind that we're worried about and all the different options that we can actually come up with. So you really, you know, the old, old adage that you've got to sleep on it is actually from a brain basis is, is actually what you need to do. Um, so when I talk to organisations about things like um, 
a lot of organisations would do brainstorming sessions where they'll get a whole bunch of people in the room um, and they'll say, all right, we're going to work on this problem because we've got this or whatever, or we're going to work on this new idea or whatever. Um, that's actually the worst way to actually do to come up with innovative and creative ideas. What, what you need to do is send out to all your employees that are going to be during in that session what the problem is and why you've got that problem and get them to actually look through that. You send out a video or you send out a little presentation on, on, on a you know a video presentation or, or or just all the documents you say read all this stuff and then in a week's time but we want you to read it now and then in a week's time we're going to actually look at this we're going to do, do a brainstorming session and then you give them a few nights sleep where they'll actually their brains will actually go through all those scenarios and they'll come up with much better ideas when they come back after a few nights sleep um about how to actually do that but for leaders as well what you need to do is, is you need to first sleep on it and then you need to relax you need to actually be able to relax and 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 access your long-term memory where all this stuff is actually happening which requires you yeah just to relax <laughs> and mm -hmm. it requires you to have that downtime so leaders need to have downtime they need to do something that actually gets them into a relaxed state so they can access that information so you know I, I surf, which is my way of doing it. Some people are able to meditate. I have trouble meditating. I used to meditate a lot. These days I can't because I have too much in my head. Um, so I like to do something physical like surfing. Some people like to run. Some people like to go to the gym. Some people, what, what, you know, playing musical instrument, whatever it is that gets you into that state, that sense, that, you know, relaxed state so that you can access that information. And that's when you actually come up with the, the solutions. So you can't force that really good solutions or really good innovative ideas or really good creative ideas, you've actually got to allow it to happen. Um, and you've got to do that, A, you've got to sleep, which a lot of leaders don't do enough of because they're too stressed and they're, they're, they've got too much on their mind. Um, and B, you've got to be able to allow yourself to allow those those ideas, ideas to come. So you've got to have something where you turn off, something that you do on a regular basis where you turn off. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that a bit is rest because I know that's that's a huge topic um, amongst leaders. That's a big one for me um, is what's the importance of getting rest and why should we even think about getting rest? And I think there's also not just sleep, but I think it's also just rest in general um, yeah. because in, in, in leadership, you're when you when you wake up you're turned on right meaning you're turned on with emails coming in notifications coming in the phone starts ringing at eight o'clock and it's go 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 and there's no time to yourself so i guess it would be a two-part how important is rest and um what is the importance of also um having that balance and having time away from from just work in general yeah, it's it's both are so so important, um, but you've got to do it regularly. I, I think a lot of the issues, especially around leader, and I know I do it. I just had a crazy two weeks, and by the end of it, I was absolutely shattered. Um, and that that happens, right? But you you've got to celebrate the little wins. So one thing. I think we as humans don't realise is that you get just as much reward out of a small celebration as you do a big celebration. And I was talking this recently to a leader about this. Um, 
because you know he he's one of those people that likes to just work flat out for you know 12 months and virtually kill himself <laughs> and then and then he give himself a huge reward such as you know going to a, a fancy very fancy <laughs> resort um and spending a week there as a reward after that but that gives you the actually the same amount of dopamine and therefore the same reward as if he you know once a week he took his wife out to a fancy restaurant and they relax and actually talk to each other. That will give him as much dopamine each time as he's getting when he actually does it just every 12 months because our brain can only release a certain amount of dopamine, which is our reward drug um, that's released in our brain when we give ourselves a reward for something. So he's better off giving himself small rewards on a regular basis than he's giving himself a big reward once every you know, huge reward you know, once every 12 months or whatever so we need to realize that it's better to do that much better to do that that is rest and and give ourselves a reward regularly for the little wins or even not the wins right just the fact that you got through another day without you know driving your organization into the ground um yeah. it's important to, to celebrate that stuff right um and so we need to, to be doing that regularly because that's really important for our brains um, and also really important for our stress levels because, again, you need to get those stress levels down so that you can have those really cool ideas and so you can have access to those really cool, innovative and creative ideas. And so, yeah, it's really important to rest regularly, but it's also super important to get enough sleep. So you've got to set up your... They talk about, um, you know, setting up your bedroom in a way that you'll actually sleep better. So don't do work in your bedroom and have your bedroom as a place where you just sleep so that when you... Your brain, when you take it into your bedroom, its automatic thing is, I'm going to sleep because that's all I do in here. Yeah. And so you'll actually go to sleep much more quickly because if you're not sleeping regularly, you're going to have cardiovascular issues. You're, you're going to be more likely to have a heart attack. You're more likely to have um, mental health issues because when you're actually sleeping, your brain's actually resetting itself. It's getting rid of all the neurotoxins in your brain that, that build up there during the day. Um, but it's also resetting your brain so that it, it'll actually be better able to concentrate the next day. And, and it's also resetting all your emotional systems so that you're more likely to tolerate people better and you're going to have better emotional intelligence the next day. And so we really need to be having a decent amount of sleep at night so that all those things happen so that the next day we come back and we're fresh and we're ready to do it again. And we've learned. So during the night, you actually, your brain goes through, as I said, all these scenarios around what you did that day and what you've been doing that week. And so it actually solves problems for you. And it comes up with innovative and creative ideas for you. Your brain, and in some periods, are actually more active during your sleep period than they are during the day. And so it's actually, you, you've got to think about it as as work as well, as an amazing period of time when when you're actually being a better, becoming a better leader and actually becoming a better person and learning a lot about yourself and the people around you um, and how you can actually run your business better. So we've got to think about it as a positive, not, not a negative more often. Mm. No, that's, that's really good. I, I've really enjoyed this discussion. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've learned a lot myself and um, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad too, you know. I'm, I'm constantly, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. I've got a wonderful wife who's actually a professor, 
um, mm-hmm. and she will constantly, well, not constantly, but when I'm not doing the right thing, she'll say, you need to go for a surf, which is her hint that I'm working too much <laughs> yeah. and I'm not having enough downtime. And uh, yeah, but yeah, that's a little hint to me. But we all need someone in our life that hints to us or gives us that, that, yeah, that, that, that message that we have to stop for a little while because it's so, so important. Yeah. And I think we also, like, as leaders, you know, there's often a lot of books out there where people say, oh, this is what you need to find balance, you know, step one, step two, step three, to be an effective leader. And I I truly am a champion that, like, it's really different for every leader. Every leader finds their their way of just, like, taking off, relaxing. Rest could mean something different for for someone else. For me, rest means like reading a book that for me is rest right Uh, I think everyone finds you find surfing Mark um, and I think everyone needs to find what works for them because sometimes it someone's else's methodology doesn't work for them yeah absolutely some people like going skydiving you know some people like adrenaline junky stuff some people like to go yeah you know whatever chucking themselves off a cliff or whatever you know climbing climbing cliff I don't mate who loves mountain climbing and you know, I have another mate who loves ultra marathons you know I mean I'm like how in the hell is that restful but they do they get a buzz out of it and it's really yeah. restful for them um so yeah you've got to find your thing um and do it but make sure you do it regularly don't just do it every 12 months do it on yeah. a regular basis so that you're getting that constant reset yeah, yeah. absolutely got to find your thing that's so true well, Mark, um, really enjoyed this this uh, discussion, and um, you know, I'm sure this li- the listeners that are listening are um, thinking about it. You know, what are they going to do to change? What do they need to do to change? So, um, I'll leave the copy, the uh, link to get your book in the podcast description. So, uh, for those that want to get get Mark's book uh, that that uh, he wrote. You can uh, find the link in the podcast description and get your copy there if you want to learn more about Mark and uh, the research that he's done in the space of neuroscience. Thank you very much for having me along, Cameron. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Executive Leadership Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation that we had with Dr. Mark Williams. If you want to find out more about Dr. Williams, you can check out the podcast description and the links are there to connect with him. And you can uh, also check out his new book that he recently released. Also, if you want to learn more about uh, TC Advisory Group, which is our leadership training and coaching organization, uh, feel free to check out our website, tcadvisorygroup.com to check out the many offerings that we have available to help you in your leadership, your team or department, or your entire organization. We offer a variety of services, both uh, virtual, in-person, and also hybrid. And so you can, if you would like to find out more, you can also send us an email at info at tcadvisorygroup.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Executive Leadership Podcast. And uh, feel free to subscribe so that you get a notification when the next episode goes live. And also check out our other podcast that we have, the Leadership Download Podcast. Check out some of the episodes and see if that suits your flavor of leadership. We thank you again and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.